Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. No, 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 no. What was that? One time. Yo, all I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front, my face on the front page, only if I had one gun, one girl and one crib, one God to show me how to do things his son did, pure, like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151, one sip will make a nigga flip, writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mass violence, who I'm gonna body, this hood politics, acknowledge it, leave bodies chopped up in garbage, seeds watch us, grow up and try to follow us, police watch us, roll up and try knocking us, one Money I duck, could it be my time is up? With my luck, I got up. The cop shot again. Bus stop glass burst, a fiend drops his Heineken. Ricocheting between the spots that I'm hiding in. Blacking out, I shoot back. Fuck getting hit. This is my hood, I'm a rat. To the death of it, to everybody, come on. Little niggas is grown, hood rats. Don't abortion your wound. We need more warriors soon. Shit from the stars, sun and the moon. And it's like a police chase, the street sweepers and coppers. Sick up kids with no conscience, leaving victims with doctors. If you really think you're ready to die. tomorrow 
what do we want and what's our plan for tomorrow? I think that's the simplest way I could I could put it, you know, and it was birthed out of a very real political question. What is our um what is our theory and strategy for moving forward for empowerment from a black nationalist perspective? Not from the religious perspective, not finding the solution in some, uh, and, and I'm not even going to call it mythical, mythical. I mean, because I'm not here to talk about anyone's religion to belittle it or to make it seem like uh, it isn't real because if it works for you, then it's very real for you. I just question the practicality of a thing. And we've tried religion before. So I'm not talking about. Uh, a theory in religion, a theory in some unrealistic, some uh, very uh, unpractical type of efforts and actions that the masses of black people can begin to take right here that is on their comprehension level, within their material possessions, within their their physical means to uh, produce these things or begin to begin to start the motion. To produce these things What are our plans for that You know Now I'm going to offer constructive criticism man, and, and, and definitely this is constructive Because the only thing I really seem to be seeing When I turn on When I'm you know On Facebook or when uh, <laughs> The the op I like what these young people call They call it the op When the opposition uses Their news media To present or state the case then they're, um, you know, all they're ever really showing is is radical responders and reactionaries. I'm going to say radical responders at best. Not that response isn't necessary. We have to respond to the brutality, to the inhumane treatment, to the injustices. Heaped upon millions, 40, what is it, 40 million black people, Africans here in America. Man, we have to respond to that. We have to answer and answer loudly and answer boldly. Of course, wouldn't have it any other way. But this can't be the strategy. This just has to be one of just that, a reaction. And the reaction is after the reaction, after the initial reaction in anything, you look at anything, we begin to any conscious being, anything with any type of sense begins to formulate a plan, begins to formulate a plan to stop the reactions. See, the reactions are dependent upon an action, and usually the actions are taken by other than yourself. So if you're constantly put in a reactionary position, then someone else is pulling the strings and calling the shots. So the conscious being, especially one calling themselves a revolutionary or embarking upon this path of revolution, embarking upon this path of uh, empowerment, self-determination for African people, should begin to question and look into theories in ways that will empower us to be or start us on the path of productivity and, and, and not reaction, but be proactive, productive. You see, this is what we have to begin to study and explore 
And I don't see a lot of that. And I'm going to throw it out there. I'm going to tell you why I feel like that there's not a, a lot of that. Because I don't feel like, in my opinion, of course, that especially coming from a black nationalist perspective, that we as black nationalists have been vocal enough, have been bold enough, we as practical black nationalists, we as the intelligent proletariat, you know what I'm saying, the intelligentsia, whatever they call us in the uh, revolutionary world, we that will formulate theories and come up and will assess the problem and analyze and will take in the consideration and the factors, our history, devoid of the romanticism and the adventurism of the... uh, you know, the economy, these icons and the idolatry that we have a tendency to lean towards when we start to read, when we start to examine our, our role in revolution or revolution being a very real thing and a very necessary thing here in America. We begin to romanticize it, adventurize it, sprinkle dabs with the, after having been hit with this stick of slavery, and still feeling the effects of neocolonialism, trying our very best to think like uh, a, the op, our oppressor, our opposition, or if we're not trying to think like the op, trying our very best to humanize a thing that practices inhumanity as a way of life that is incorporate the inhumane behavior, the inhumane treatment of other beings, and not just beings that you would say human. I'm talking about from animal to uh, plant, vegetation, resources of the earth. I mean, just in every way have been completely beastly. And the history bears witness to it. This is not something that I'm making up about this white man. This is not me just trying to uh, demonize the white man. This is something that history bears witness to. And why does history bear witness to it? Because he glorifies, he revels, this white man revels in their brutality. And masqueraded as conquest. They call it conquest, the conqueror. And they put these words on it. And it really is just brutality, butchery, you know, like I said, just some of the most beastal, some of the most inhumane uh, treatment and, and, and uh, behavior ever visited upon the planet Earth, recorded by their own hands. And these are people that we at every measure and length go to extremes to bring them into a human world realm to have compassion for them and then to even try to find and seek out compassion within them. And we start to believe that we can't be separate from them. And it creates in us this sense of ambivalence, ambivalence, a love-hate thing. We hate them and we love them. We love them because they have paraded themselves as the sense of power, as the very relatives of God. Hell, if God's son is white in some kind of way, subconsciously mind begins to tell us that they must be relatives of God. White is good. We're constantly reinforced this. White is good. Black is bad. You know the thing. You know how it goes. 
I don't have to take you back to the ABC building blocks of it all. A lot of you within the sound of my voice knows how it goes. So I'm not going to take you to the building blocks, but I will, I will remind you of the building blocks so that you will be able to see the construct that has been manifested around you. Why you make the decisions that you make, why you feel towards yourself the way that you do and other brothers and sisters the way that you do and why you feel and hold your enemy in such a position that you do, in such reverence and awe. You find yourself bowing. You find yourself running to them to be the authority in everything, even the authority in your life, even the authority that's what's best for you, all the way down to what you eat. You've given yourself completely over to them. So the thought of self-determination is a foreign thought. How do you plan for self-determination? When I say, what is our plan for? And you say, how do you plan for something that you've never had a blueprint for, that you've never seen the likes of? You've heard what you would call the rhetoric. You've heard the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey. You've heard the teachings of uh, uh, the Honorable and, and, and uh, Divine uh, Elijah Muhammad. Peace be upon Elijah Muhammad and the likes, the noble Drew Ali, and et cetera, and so forth, these freedom fighters and these advocates of self-determination and separation and doing for self of the black nation that they were. You've heard the rhetoric, but you've never seen anything that they have put uh, to fruition. And what they have put to fruition due to very clever, clever campaigns and revisionist history, you're not taught the greats like uh, Amos Wilson says in his blueprint, blueprint of, uh, for black power that one of the strongest black economic programs ever for the black man, a black nationalist program was under the original, the original nation of Islam is led by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. The strongest, one of the strongest economic programs ever put together for black people by a black man. But revisionist history, antagonist and, and a antagonist history, a history that has been antagonized and provoked, that has been certain memories of it have been uh, intentionally stoked and allowed to simmer and continue while the economic genius and brilliant is building the cornerstone of what a black economic could look like, what a structure looks like is being buried because the white man has you caught up in sensationalism. He has you caught up in the drama. You watch it every day on your TV. We see him watching it, don't we, Amaru? You watch it in every form and fashion, every drama type. Now, I'm not saying entertainment isn't good. I'm not saying entertainment isn't good. But you begin to internalize this mess. And after internalizing it, once they allow it, it lets you to think that this is normalcy, that this is okay in society, then they can do it in your history and you seek out the drama in your history. And you begin to bury the greatness of a people. Oh, Elijah Muhammad did this. Elijah Muhammad did that. And Elijah Muhammad was human. That's what I would tell him. And we, and we, and we shy away from the accomplishments and the achievements. But why this white man? This white man will never get it twisted. He will never intertwine the two. He will never take away uh, his forefathers' achievements and accomplishments, no matter how atrocious the bastard was. 
no matter how barbaric the devil was. He will never, he will never not acknowledge his ancestors. He will always have a plan for his continuity. He will always find a way to not only let his plan be known, but socially, culturally, even economically reinforce that plan. And that plan will always include his tomorrow, which is his seed. I'm asking, where is our plan? I'm asking you this. Where is our plan? Where is our plan outside of the dependency of a people who have clearly shown you that they mean you no good? Your very being here on the the shores of America, the very confusion that you're going through, the very cry for justice that is ringing out across the nation begins with a crime against your people, begins with a crime against a land, a continent, and the kidnapping and the robbery of her greatest resources, which were her people. Not only did it deprive you, not only did they deprive you of a history, not only did they deprive you of a culture, not only did they deprive you of your original language and your original religion, but they took from Africa the very brilliance, the very heart, and the very soul. Your being over here deprived Africa of the opportunity to grow into a different Africa, not the Africa we see today. Police repression, criminal settlism, a colonial, a set, a criminal colonial settlism, just all types of uh, crime. Being perpetrated against our mother, the beautiful and great mother Africa, and her children scattered throughout the diaspora. The fact that her children are scattered throughout the diaspora, another testament to the wickedness of, and I'm speaking from ours, European uh, criminals. You know, I know my brothers can speak to the Spanish and the other and the, the other wicked devils that participated in the whole thing, but I'm speaking right now from us as black Africans in America, these crackers, these honkies, these white boys and gals, these devils. I'm talking about them. And I'm talking about the culture that has been forced upon us and, and that we constantly are trying to get our minds to be able to formulate to, to be able to uh, what you find in the theories and the way of plans being presented to us is radical accommodation. Do this, do that, radical reformism. They present such a harsh, such a harsh um, practice of their system through Trump. They give you the extreme of what their system can produce. In Trump, they show you what America is capable of doing in Trump, and you're so horrified that you will readily accept the more liberal side of the same devil. This is still the same machine. When you thought this wasn't the same America, this is still the same machine. They just presented you their worst face, they good cop and bad cop in you. They show you the worst of what the white man can do. What the pushing the pushing the very boundaries of legality, pushing the very very boundaries of their constitutional right. They're showing you what they're capable of doing. 
and you cower and you get so scared that you run to that liberal side and saying, hell yeah, if you can do it, we can too then. I love it. Shit. Absolutely. Great. Wonderful. If you can push it to the very brinks of your constitutional protection, what stops it? And we're talking about this 14th Amendment. Then why can't we? Where is our plan that starts to begin to spell out that we don't care nothing about really that amendment and being treated so fairly under your laws? Because we understand this, that any society that has to produce such an amendment like the 14th Amendment, it speaks tons to their sentiment, to their morality, to their ethics, to their values. It speaks tons to that. When you have to place, when you have to have a law, implement a law, ratify a law that spells out the equal treatment of human beings, it speaks tons to your morals and your ethics, to your sentiments and to the way that you feel about other human beings or other ethnicities. No, thank you. I don't need your law to tell me that I'm going to be protected by it or that I'm a human being or just bear with us a little bit longer, they'll eventually get it. No, thank you. While we're working within these constraints, I challenge the black nationalist minds. I challenge the forces that move within the communities that relate and every day interact with the masses to begin to push the seed of self-determination and while they're operating within the confines of this system, that the seeds of resistance must be planted, must be nurtured and, 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 and catered to into these seeds, grow into full-blown um, trees of rebellion, of revolution against oppression and injustice. That says that a change must be had And we're talking about now Yes we go for the protracted struggle Because we know the fight is long But as though the fight is long Every champ must be now Not someday Not we shall You know someday soon All that now The champ must be now And every generation Every wave must feel the now Must feel it immediately We can't continue to keep losing lives can't be someday It's like our dear brother Malcolm Has left with us in his Wonderful teachings When he says that the white man has a knife In your back don't pull it out three inches And telling me I'm making progress Huh Don't pull the knife out three You got a knife in my back don't pull the knife Out three inches and telling me I'm making Progress I want the knife out of my back so even though you get the three inches, don't relax. Still holler, I want the knife out of my back. We want now. We want now. This is what our fight is against, and this is what our fight is for. We want to see a plan that incorporates that. We want a plan. We want a comprehensive plan. We want a plan that speaks to our day-to-day action. Where is the plan that speaks to our day-to-day action? That begins to make us to take real a real look at just our exercises from spending to interrelations. Real talk. 
Where are our plans that address those things? I do believe everything as one of the things that I think that we have to visit as revolutionaries. One of the things that we have to visit as revolutionaries is um, our perception. We have to visit our perception. The black man, the African person, doesn't operate linear. It's not a one, two, three, four, first you do, then you do, then we are cipher. We're communal. We're circle. It's a collective. Therefore, we understand that everything is interrelated. Everything is connected to everything else. I don't care how minute it may be. Everything is connected to everything else. Thus is the revolution. So our social um, influences, our social participation in, in uh, uh, how do I want to say, what we participate in socially goes into feelings, feelings go into action, it goes into the subconscious, which goes into the very makeup and fiber and being of what and who you are. So we have to be socially conscious. At no time can the African here in America afford not to be conscious of each and everything they do. It may sound tedious, but believe me, you, it isn't. It's something as simple as just deciding to do. I have seen miracles worked around me by the people around me. From entrepreneurialism to just straight out um, awareness and participation in in uh, you know from some of the homies I know this even shocked me you know some homies I know to their participation and just being grossly involved in um, the movement. In fact, I'm thinking thinking of what my brother Howdo, Big A, when we we went to just went to his janazah, and some people call it memorial or gathering to remember him, and I was just astonished at the turnout and the wonderful things people had to say about him and how many people knew him, and it's not, you know, a big up con- a contest or anything, but I just remember when the brother had touched down, you know, and we just kicked and the brother sought me out, we just kicked it on the brother level, and to see the brother grow and go into this because he understood, I think what I'm going back to, everything was connected to everything else, man. From the street tribe to his religion to just everything, to the babies getting to school, and he put it all together and eventually birthed from that wonderful thing with uh, street boomers. And it just was a combination of just communalism, society, looking out. Everything is interconnected. He did streets, politics, religion. It was all interconnected with him. And he, he and everyone in those communities that would have probably naturally operated in their own separate little spheres had an opportunity to interact and get into the whole um, dynamic of each other's existence and how their own individual existence really overlapped and played into and coexisted with one another. I think it was fantastic. I think it was a wonderful social experiment. And what I'm hoping could bloom from that is us seeing that and formulating that and taking elements of that and really getting that into a plan. 
somewhere in your city, if you're not coming up with a plan, if you're in one of these parties, yo, and you don't have, you're not coming up with a plan, you're just, uh, uh, you just have social band-aid programs. You may have a few programs to ease and aside your conscience. Social band-aid programs. But you have to have something that spells out where you're trying to go and what you're trying to get to. You know what I'm saying? Where you're trying to go and what you're trying to get to. And how you plan on accomplishing it. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. And how you plan on accomplishing that thing. You know? So these are some of the things that I like to see. I would really love to see us come into uh to do and how that includes the how it begins to include the, the youth. How it begins to include the future. One of the things that I I I uh was talking to the uh, the deputy chief of oper not the deputy chief, chief of operations director of operations um and we were talking about that we were talking about the production of the next of the leadership the type of leadership and everything and passing the baton and yada 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 but really spelling out a plan for our tomorrow for our future recognizing recognizing the leadership abilities and how do you what are we looking for? I think war gives wonderful classes on that. What are we looking for? And how and in training them, when do we allow them uh, the at what point in time do they begin to get out and um you know do the training or have on the job training or whatever because you know, that's that's the dangerous thing. That's what I went through with my father. Training. I'm still if you ask my father, I'm still in training. <laughs> so, and we always are. We always are forever in training. But at one point in time does the training turn to real tasks, real duties, real responsibilities, obligations. And, you know, they get out and we see it begin to manifest. So all of these things have to be addressed. I think all of these things should be looked at. And man, I'm 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 like looking forward um, to seeing some of them. You know, I'm really looking forward to seeing some of these plans. But it's going to stretch us and it's going to pull us. It's going to begin to why I think it's necessary for us to have a plan and then a plan for the man because in that strategy, it's going to be it's going to begin to separate us into the uh, stature begin to separate us into what we have to be to really get a revolutionary movement going. Not an organization, but a movement. It is going to begin to put us in the places that we have to be. And one of the first things that we have to begin to address, especially as a black nationalist movement, is our intelligence. We're going to have to know what this intelligence is. We're going to have to know what it's bred from, what motivates, what are we talking about when we say intelligentsia, who are they? What are they? What is their relativeness to the uh, black movement? How important are they to us? This is going to be, this is a major must know because without that, there is no guiding force without the intelligentsia. There is no guiding force. There is no element that will put that will take the time 
that has the uh, or that this is just their forte to begin to take the uh, uh, analysis and everything that they have together and put it together and compile it together and come up with a practical theory or solution or direction for the masses of black people. One of the reasons I don't think that we have an intelligentsia too and why we did away with so much of the intelligentsia, or if we do have an intelligentsia, it's hard for us to recognize and bring it out, is because of neocolonialism. Now we just rapping, man. I'm finna just, <laughs> I'm finna just rap. You know, get it who get it. No, who don't, man. We just finna rap. But I think it's because of neocolonialism. You know, real talk. Um, I think that we have taken on the way of the white man so much that when we say intelligentsia, we naturally think of supremacy, superiority, inferiority, someone uh, thinking that they're better, or uh, elitism, or a group of people thinking they're better. And I can see why. I can see why. I can see why. It even goes back to when we was in school, you know, when you would get good grades, or if you see the kids who could spoke different or if they were t- articulate or if they enunciated their words or something, how we would tease them. Are you trying to be white? You speaking like white boy, you speaking like the white man, ha huh? You know, so even being, you know, so-called smart was equated with uh, being white. Proper diction was equated with being white. Even saying proper diction was equated with being white. All of these things. Um, so I get it. You know what I'm saying? I really, really get it how we, we, we look at that intelligence. And then we go on to start looking at uh, in black history, in our culture, our intelligence has come from the petty bourgeoisie. Our intelligence has come from the petty bourgeoisie. In a, a lot of times, especially in the very beginning. Now we have intelligentsia called the uh, in, in the uh, intelligent the intelligentsia from under, uh, amongst the proletariat, and we we'll get into that. We might even get into it this show. But it's historically and traditionally come from the petty bourgeoisie. The intelligentsia has come from the people who have led movements have come from those. Uh, Black people who were giving education or a promise or giving a way of what they felt like would be inclusion or what they would felt like would change their living conditions or give them a better way of life, and they found out that that wasn't so or it didn't happen fast enough. Like we look at some of our intelligentsia coming from, uh, you know, Booker T. Washington, um, um, W.E.B. Du Bois, these type of people who were very intelligent and didn't find the equality that they thought they should have had. So they found they were searching for, so the intelligence is what intelligentsia does searches for solutions for these problems, for injustices, for the ill treatment, for the uh, lack of, for the oppression and the poverty faced by 40 million black people or the billions of African people here in America. But when we look at our intelligentsia traditionally coming from that and being trained by the oppressor, being separated from the African consciousness, 
as we find in a great book to read, I'm telling you, is by Dr. Ahmed Muhammad. Black Studies, the Black Political, uh, Black, Black Social and Political Thoughts. Black Social and Political Thoughts by Dr. Ahmed Muhammad. Um, you know, and like he says, when you find these intelligentsia and they're separated, or these black people, when they're separated from the African consciousness, they're separated. They we've been separated intentionally from our history, from our more ways and our Norways, from anything that would have connected us from Africa, from anything that would have given us some semblance of original thinking or probably some right-mindedness, something that would have let us know the doo-doo crazy alert, cuckoo, what we're thinking isn't right. We had none of that, so we sought solutions in black capitalism or accommodationist theories, integration. Things of that nature. We felt like, and you would find the intelligentsia debating along these lines. This would be their debate. This would be their back and forth. What is the, uh, what is our fight to be had? What are we fighting about? W.E.B. Du Bois fought for, uh, W.E.B. Du Bois, yeah, W.E.B. Du Bois, his fight was, he believed in, you know, he was a radical integrationist, a radical accommodationist. Now, nah, he wasn't, not accommodation. I wouldn't even say come a radical integrationist, but a pluralist. He felt like, and, and what did I say there? He felt like he believed in the 14th Amendment. He believed that Frederick Douglass believed. He believed that black people should have these rights. Black people should mobilize for these rights. And he was radical in that, but he believed this pluralism was why we should rally for these rights and clamor for these rights and have these rights, we still retain the right of Africanism. We should have some type of, you know, our own culture and our own ways. Pluralism, live with them, but yeah, no. And then you had uh, Booker T who said, let them have their political system. Let us get the economics. And once we become economically sufficient, these people will have to respect us. But all the while, nowhere in their discourse and in their back and forth and why I find some good things and some very real uh, uh, points and solid points in both of their arguments that maybe should be looked at and thought about. Nowhere does the question in their two debates and discourse of separation come into play. And when we find it coming into play a lot of times, when it started to come into play serious by the likes of Martin Delaney and others, you find the white man would hijack that, later hijack that. I'm going to have to throw a class on this. Would later hijack, hijack that movement and begin a colonization process that was a, a disaster, derailing the separation process. We recolonizing Africa from amongst ourselves by ourselves, if we so choose, and so chosen. You find they're intervening, their influence and they're coming into it, derailing and it making it disastrous. Because everything they do, that's what it is, because it has to be serving to them. Understand that even they're from their philanthropy to whatever that they do is serving to themselves. Never forget that. 
Never forget that. I mean, I know it's harsh. It's harsh. It's harsh. But this side of you has to be awakened. Or if it isn't asleep, then it every now and then it has to be pinched and tweaked. It has to be awareness, has to be brought back to it. It has to be fired up because every day in society it is forced to be subdued, black man, black woman. It is forced to be subdued just for your very survival. And I'm not knocking you for that. It's un- It's an unfortunate reality. It's a travesty. It's an unfortunate reality that it's come to that. That the very warrior in you, that the very independent you, that the very real you has to be you live in a society that it has to be suppressed because the world is intimidated by it. And not just the world, but especially America for the treatment of a you. So you have to keep it suppressed. Yeah, no. mm-hmm. And even if it ain't all the way yes, it's like, yeah, it's all good. <laughs> but it really isn't. Not at all. I just seen another one of my little, someone that looks like me, or looks like my son, or looks like my nephew, or looks like my cousin murdered in the street by police. Now, it ain't really all good, but it's all good. I'm forced to live with this trauma. So, this is what we say. So, I, I, I will go back to our intelligence field. So, they will force to you, you know, to have these type of, uh, come up with these type of conclusions. And when we find those um, intellectuals, the intelligentsia from the proletarian, the revolutionary, the Nat Turner, those solutions, the uh, Demarguesis, who were clearly inspired, and they would let you know not only were they black nationalists, but they were internationalists, because he would let you know that he was inspired by Tucson La Overture, the Vaseline, the Haitian Revolution, internationalism. Hence, why Haiti is in one of the, I believe, strongly believe why Haiti is in the state it is now and still had to pay France reparations back for fighting for their freedom. An injustice leveled against Haiti that the world should have cried, that the black world should have cried out about. But since they keep us so blind to international politics, since they keep us so saturated with materialism, so overfed and fat and polished and lazy that we don't even, we barely know the politics that affect us nationally. Forget about internationally. They scrub us as a people. They handle us as a people. They penalize us for independence, liberation, freedom, revolution, and one being waged and had successfully. Why they were going to beat that, they were going to beat that into their genetic memory for generations to come that they never want that freedom hurts. We look at Haiti, they let you know, they're letting you know, get your freedom if you want to. Have the audacity. Have the audacity. And a lot of us have internalized this and don't know we internalize this and stop short just of glory and victory. We pull up short of glory and victory. We don't go the full mile. We pull up just short. Scared of the responsibility and the burden that comes with it. We begin to let it be a game. It begins to be such a game. We play such a game with it. Here's here's the sad part. We play such a game with it that we have these figures pop in and out of our movement, our revolution, that is like cartoons and we don't even quite. Where's Grandmaster Jack? 
Where's Grandmaster J? How he can be in and out. You see what I'm saying? This is how we do. We have a revolving door of heroes, of limelight catches. Here today, gone among where were they? Type of thing. What what uh, what is what is the old show they do? Where are they now? Show. This is what we should have. Where are they now? So we allow games to be played. But a plan, a comprehensive plan, a real plan, a plan that spells it out in the day-to-day action will begin to help. It will give us the skills. It will give us the, uh, the abilities to begin to sniff out those with less than noble intentions. It'll let us know. That's exactly what it'll do. So that's what we have to go back to. I love it. I absolutely love it. You know, it's a challenge. It's a challenge, but it's nothing that we can't overcome. It is nothing that we can't overcome. But we have to know what we want and have to create those uh the levels, like I said, starting with the intelligence, you begin to create the things, uh, begin to create the institutions and the stat- stratum uh, 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 that will produce the mechanisms that does everything else that creates this machine that it's going to take to get a machine off of us. But the time for having this is done. We can no longer afford that. We can no longer afford to have hazardous. So it's all about what what are we going to do and what are we willing to do. That needs to go into a comprehensive plan. What are we going to do and what are we willing to do? Well, what do we want? What do we want? Are we content? With the current model that we that we have now, real talk. Are we content with what we're doing now? One would would begin to think that we're content, or is it just come from so much trauma? Is it PTSD? Is it post traumatic slave disorder? Is it one damn thing after another that we're just sitting here stunned with our mouth open? It's like out there, concussion grenade goes off or something. It's just like this. Uh, you know, this ringing noise and this blinding light, we're just standing there with our mouth open because we are really suffering from trauma. We're overwhelmed. Is this what it is? Is this, is this what has kept us from um, moving and mobilizing in a certain and intentional direction? Is everything going to still remain to be Ambulance chasing, running to, when something comes up, you know what I'm saying, we're we're jumping in, we're jumping there, we're showing up and just more reactionary tactics, or are we going to begin to be proactive? You know, are we going to be begin to get in these cities and start agitating? Start agitating for a change. Starting to understand that everything is interchangeable. Starting with the curriculum. Addressing the food areas. Are we going to recruit the various people that um, address the very, you know, everything in our communities? 
That's where the real challenge comes in. Because one of the greatest weapons of America is the illusion of prosperity and success and opportunity for all people. And that illusion is so real. And their ability to push it is so real that even the people who are deprived of those very things buy into it. Even you and I buy into those illusions. The very people who are targeted, who are deprived of the promise of America begin to buy into it because they give us slim hope. And a lot of it comes through the form of the the rapping and the uh, playing ball. So the farther you can get away, the most it's either one of them is uh, as derogatory as you can bleed toward the black community or as far as you can remove yourself. Like some professional athlete, you're rewarded. But nowhere is that reward found in intermingling, being with, enhancing, or building, empowering your people. You're not finding that reward in it. You're not, and even amongst us who suffer from neocolonialism, you're not even finding fulfillment, emotional or psychological fulfillment in dealing with us because we're ungrateful and traumatized and don't know how to perceive, receive, or take you. With all the good that you're trying to do. It's a real mess. Mm-hmm. It's a real mess, so it's hard to plan for that. But even with all that, a plan has to be had. I wish I could, you know, begin to share one with you, but, you know, tell me. So that's my spiel for tonight, brothers and sisters. I appreciate it. I'm not even going to torture my son any longer. I know he's been holding. He's been very good being quiet for me. So I'm going to end it with that. But I just want you to think about it. Thank you for letting me come in your living room rapping to you. Straight up and down like 6 o'clock. But that's something to think about, yo. What is our plan? Let's get us a comprehensive plan together. With that, I'm going to leave you like I always leave you. And that's peace. And Wakusu, wake up, clean up, king up, stand up, do the right thing. Uh, and I'll check you out next week. All I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front my face on the front page. Only if I had one gun, one girl, and one crib, one God to show me how to do things as son did. Pure, like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151. One sip will make a nigga flip. Writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mad violence. Who I'm gon' body this hood politics, acknowledging. Leave bodies chopped up in garbage. Seeds watch us, grow up and try to follow us. Police watch us, roll up and try knocking us. One knee. I duck, could it be my time is up With my luck, I got up, the cops Shot again, bus stop glass burst A fiend drops his Heineken, ricocheting Between the spots that I'm hiding in Blacking out, I shoot back, fuck Getting hit, this is my hood, I'm a rat To the death of it, to everybody, come on Little niggas, it's grown, hood rats Don't abortion your wound, we need more Warriors soon, sent from the stars, sun and the moon And it's like a police chase The street sweepers and coppers, sick up kids with no Conscience, leaving victims with doctors If you really think you're ready to die, Nine's out. This is what nine's about, nigga. The time is now. All I need is one mic. One mic. One mic. One mic. All I need is one mic.
leaders, one blunt, one page, and one pen, one prayer. Tell God, forgive me for one sin. Matter of fact, maybe more than one. Look back at all the hatred against me. Fuck all of them. Jesus died at age 33. That's 33 shots from twin glocks and 16 apiece. That's 32, which means one of my guns was holding 17. 27 hit your crew, six winners to you. Everybody gotta die sometime. Hope your funeral never get shot up. Bullets tear through the innocent, nothing to spare. Niggas roll up, shooting from wheelchairs. My heart is racing, pacing revenge in the air. I let this shit slide for too many years. Too many times now I'm strapped with a couple of max. Too many nines. If y'all niggas really with me, get busy, load up the semis. Do more than just hold it, explode the clip until you empty. There's nothing in our way. They bust, we bust, they rush, we bust. Let's fly and feel it. I feel it in my gut that we take these bitches to war. Lie them down, cause we stronger now, my nigga. The time is now. All I need is one mic. All I need is one mic. All I need is one mic. That's all I need to need is this thing, no. All I need is one mic. All I need is one life, one try, one breath on one man. What I stand for, speak for itself. They don't understand and want to see me on top. Too egotistical, talking all that slick shit the same way these bitches do. Wonder what my secret is. Niggas will move on you only if they know what your weaknesses. I have none. Too late to grab guns. I'm blasting because I'm a fool, nigga. Thought I wouldn't have that ass done. Who's you niggas? What you call an infinite brawl? Eternal souls clashing. World gets deep. Some beef is everlasting. Complete with thick stars. Brothers knifing each other up in prison yard. Drama, where does it start? You know the block was ill as a youngster Every night it was like a cop would be killed Body found in the dumpster, for real a hustler Purchased my range, niggas throwing dirt on my name Jealous cause fiends got they working complain Bitches left me cause they thought I was finished Should've knew she wasn't true, she came to me When a man caught a sentence, diamonds are blinded I never make the same mistakes Moving with a change of pace, light a load See now the king is straight, swelling my melon Cause none of these niggas real hurting were Telling police, how can a kingpin squeal? This is crazy, I'm on the right track I'm finally found, you need some soul searching, the time is now. All I need is one mic. All I need is one mic. That's all I ever needed in this world. Fuck cash, all I need is one mic. Fuck the cars, the jewelry. All I need is one mic. Spread my voice to the whole world. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.